Hello, hello again, and we are back for another discussion as part of our Own Your Yes series. I am your host, Valera Wilson. I'm so excited to, we're, to have this platform and opportunity where each week we get to talk as amazing, phenomenal women who are thriving despite the challenges and despite the obstacles. And really, this is the place where you can come each week as the imperfect, ambitious woman to hear how you two can thrive. And so I'm so excited that today I have Linda Say on to talk to us about the courage to rise up. And I just have to say that I have enjoyed immensely working with uh, and for Linda at various points in my career. She has been such a phenomenal sponsor, supporter, just a big believer in people and in women in particular an advocate. And I am just so honored and elated to have her here to talk. So I'll let her introduce herself, but I, I had to share that with you all listening. Thank you, Valera. I am such a fan of yours and I'm so thrilled to be here today. And I'm, I just, I'm so proud of the work you're doing and really bringing these conversations to light. So thank you for that. And thank you for letting me chat with you today. Um, I guess for a little bit of background for me, um, a lot of people do know me from Money 2020 and the Rise Up program. Um, I, back in 2018, I started uh, working there and was had the honor and privilege to help co-create a program called Rise Up. Uh, it's a women's accelerator program in the industry. And um, I'm so, so proud of the work that was done there and so proud of all the women that have gone through that program. Uh, you know, I can, I can confidently say that 38% of the women that have gone through that program have attributed Rise Up in some way to the advancement in their career. Yeah. So that that just, you know, that says everything to me. And that that truly was the first time, Valera, that I ever felt purpose-driven in my mm -hmm. career. And it, it was like a light bulb going off for me. So that changed everything. And so after Money 2020, I spent the last year, really pulling up my pants, getting brave, and uh, starting my own company. So I started the Diverse Agenda, which is a consulting firm. And through that firm, everything I do is from a lens of diversity, equity, and inclusion. That's my mission, helping others through that lens. And so far, I've been able to really pick and choose and be intentional about some of the projects I do. And um, for example, uh, something really near and dear to my heart is placing female speakers on those industry stages. That's something I did at Money 2020 and it's something I'm continuing to do now. It's really important that organizations see the disconnect between what they're telling the world, that they're doing all this DEI stuff and the truth is what they're putting forth on those stages is the same five white and Indian men. Yeah. So it is my intention to get some light on that and show those organizations that th there's a huge disconnect there. And a lot of times they, they just don't see it. They don't realize it. So I'm working with some organizations to train their female speakers and especially female uh, women of color speakers mm -hmm be on those stages and helping get them placed in the industry on those stages. So mm -hmm. very dear to my heart. I'm also uh, consulting some fintechs on 
uh, diversity and inclusion strategies that they should put into their business plans as they go forth trying to get money from venture capitalists. Mm -hmm. That's something that VCs are starting to pay attention to, thankfully. Um, they're starting to understand that those startups that are that have this kind of strategy in place are more competitive, they're more innovative, they're more profitable. Mm -hmm. So that, especially for female founders, that's really important because they are lagging way behind when it comes to getting capital. So yet another pet project that I'm working on. Lastly, quickly, um, I'm working with an organization called Findexable and they are launching the first ever FinTech diversity radar. FinTech is poised to do so many great things and really fuel this, the digital economy. And those fintechs that are focused on the sustainable development goals, and in particular, gender parity, is something that we want to focus on and share those that are doing it right in the industry. Startups, but scale up as well. This is a place where they can all go and learn from each other and really share best practices on how to go forth and get that right. So loving all of that work, um, and really proud that I've I've stuck to being intentional about what I do next. So anyway, that's that's kind of where I am today. I love it. I mean, and you have lived and breathed that before the diverse agenda even became an affirm, right? So I'm so excited to see all of the evolution of everything that that you've done. And I, again, just so proud of you. Kind of walk walk us through like what what have you been challenged with along the way? I know you mentioned like, you know, working in Money 2020 for the first time, working with Rise Up was the first time you felt purposeful yes. in what you did. What are some of the things or the challenges you had leading up to that moment and even till now? Yeah, I would say I, I had plenty, but don't we all? Mm -hmm. um, I, I describe myself as a serial laid off person. I have been laid off Valera for seven times in the last 20 years. That's significant. Um, and as I went through each one of those, um, I was, of course, very frustrated that I was going through it yet again. Uh, but I was too scared to go out on my own, even though 20 years ago I had this feeling, you know, that something is better for me. Something, you know, I have a purpose, but I couldn't really put my hands on it. I didn't know what it was really. And so through each one of those layoffs, yeah. I did what I was supposed to do, right? Find another job right. um, in marketing, um, always more responsibility and, you know, more pay, you know, and so that's what success was, right? That's what you think it should be. Mm -hmm. so, okay, I guess I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and I'm getting another job, making advancements, you know, I was a VP of marketing at First Data, you know, so in the eyes of many, it's like, and especially my family, it's like, wow, look how great she's doing, right? Mm -hmm. So it took seven layoffs for me to realize that I can't let others control my destiny, destiny anymore. Mm -hmm. I can't let them dictate what my success is. Mm -hmm. So even in a pandemic last year, you know, I'm going through this whole soul searching thing again. And I realize I, I have to go out on my own. I have to at least try even in a pandemic and no more regrets. So I think that's really, you know, the evolution of where I finally got to, you know, last year with this, with my 
um, company. Wow. I mean, that that's a mouthful. I mean, talk <laughs> about the courage. I mean, to one, go out on your own, you know, to do it in the middle of a pandemic. That that is courageous on steroids, right? <laughs> it really is. And when you think about it, sometimes it's easier to make that decision when when there isn't something at stake, right? Oh, it's it's a choice, right? Or it's the, the, the situation is optimal, but you made the choice and, and really definition of courage is to do it this, despite the fear, to do it in the face of things that could have been overwhelming to, to deal with and, and fear could have absolutely kept you stuck. So, I mean, what did you have to really wrestle with within yourself in order to make that decision? Um, I really had to, it's funny because I, you know, I often told my Rise Up Academy ladies and even, you know, post Rise Up that you have to believe in yourself. You have to trust yourself and you have to get over imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. And so as I'm going through this last year, back last May, trying to figure out what should I do next? What um, I really, you know, I don't want these regrets anymore. I want to try but oh my gosh, we're in a pandemic and, you know, people are coming to me with marketing jobs, you know, and, and here I am thinking I shouldn't say no to that because that's money. Right. Mm -hmm. But I really just had to wrestle with my own feelings of I'm not good enough to be talking about diversity, equity, and mm -hmm. inclusion. Even though mm -hmm. I spent time, I went to Cornell over the summer last year and got to, um, uh, certified in it and have taken a lot of classes since I still had that imposter syndrome feeling mm -hmm. that I'm not good enough to be talking about this. Mm -hmm. And honestly, Valera, I didn't think I was the right color mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I kept, you know, talking to people about, um, about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm -hmm. And they would say to me, but what do you know about that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're privileged. You're white. You know, uh -huh. so that was very difficult, um, very difficult conversations to have. And uh -huh. a lot of people were telling me, but you're not from HR. You, you don't have an HR background. And uh -huh. I would vehemently argue, but I shouldn't be from HR. Uh -huh. I should be someone that knows the business and can talk to business partners and and be someone with a high emotional IQ that can persuade them why this is a business imperative. Uh -huh. You know. So to me, those are the skills you need to talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, not traditional HR. So imposter syndrome was something, you know, I was struggling with. And I've struggled with that for the last, for, well, for my whole career, basically. So when I was in high school and college, I did not have imposter syndrome. I, I, I guess thought I could do anything I wanted to and, and will, right? So right. somewhere over time, um, imposter syndrome became a big part of who, who I am or, or what dictated my thoughts and my actions. Hmm. And like I said, ironically, it's something I've told many Rise Up women to get over um, hmm. and many people since, many women, but hmm. I myself was struggling with it. And I finally just had to I had to let that go, you know, and, and realize that I was my own, um, my own uh, block, right? So 
I, I realized that I wouldn't have gone for promotions or special projects in the past unless I was 120% sure I was qualified. Mm-hmm. But, but yet yeah. I would see the men around me going for that same promotion or project and they're not even 65% qualified. <laughs> for the job, right? And I thought, well, I, I want what they're doing. And so, you know, this is a lot of reflection and a lot of, um, just soul searching over the last year, especially, and figuring out that I am equally as qualified as anybody else to talk about diversity, equity, inclusion with my business um, as anybody else is. And, and in some cases more, I'm a woman. I've felt those microaggressions all throughout my career. And that is probably, well, not even probably, that is why I had imposter syndrome. Mm. I know that was a lot, but <laughs> no, that was that was that was perfect in the sense that you you gave some really really one transparent and very and very honest and impactful statements, and I want to I want to spend a little bit of time to unpack that because it was um, magnificent in the sense that it it really so many women, myself included, I heard so much in there. One, I heard you say, well, for example. You know, people told me that I, I shouldn't be the person to talk about diversity and inclusion because I'm a white woman. Right. And that's a whole we could probably have a whole nother um, conversation about that. Yes. So people are telling you no or because you haven't been in HR. So all of these no's. Right. To really it could have deterred you to say, well, maybe maybe they're right. Or what yeah. will people think if I start to talk about this? And so, again, courage to still say, but I am qualified to talk about this. And I think what you said was very, very true is you're a woman and you're, you're, you're a, homo, a high level of emotional IQ to really empathize and understand or really be open to, to outside perspectives other than your own, which is incredibly important in the work of DEI. Yeah. Right. Because even I'll just say, even as a black woman, that doesn't mean that I know the experiences of every other woman in co- of color. So right. that so just because I'm a black woman doesn't mean I, I would have the empathy or the ability or willingness to really factor in everyone else's experiences. And right. so I, I'll applaud you for pushing back on that narrative and saying, well, but you're not qualified to talk about this and to do it anyway and to say it anyway. And then, I, you know, I heard you mention, you know, great jobs were coming your way. Right. You mentioned, you know, leaving an organization, a Fortune 500 brand as yeah. a VP of marketing and, and being, you know, op, you know, offered these opportunities. I remember us, you know, kind of exchanging those those decks at different times. Yeah. And so and that takes courage to say, I mean, I've got a, I've got my grandmother used to say a bird in the hand beats two in the bushel. Right. So yeah. you have that already in hand, but still to say no. And say, no, I'm going to go after the unknown and the thing that isn't sure and that isn't set in stone or confirmed. And that's just, again, that's an amazing narrative, right, that you had to keep having within yourself. Talk about the, the courage to pursue your, your purpose and your passion. I think that speaks volumes. And so for any woman that's listening to this, I mean, hopefully you are picking up these nuggets. And I'm just trying to recapture them so that you hear them again a different way. That that's that is the courage to rise up. And I think that's why, you know, when I thought about us talking, I, that was the title of this, because all those things to keep hearing and still say, but I'm going to rise up anyway. That takes a lot. Um, 
what are you what were you thinking or when you think about your career because you mentioned this uh, I'll go back to it you mentioned you know when I graduated from high school and I graduated from college I thought I could do anything like a lot of women and I actually go back to a study that was done I don't recall who did it but they talk about how women when they get out of college and they enter the workforce they are incredibly ambitious and optimistic (laughs) about their career trajectory and how far they can go but over time it actually starts to diminish and they measure this through different focus groups and surveys. And so I, I'm curious from your perspective, when you talk about imposter syndrome, which is, it was a huge one and, and can, you know, cause us not to be courageous. When do you, are there moments in time when you recognize well, now that you're looking back that that was starting to set in and, and what do you, th- what were the things that were happening in your career that, that start to cause that to happen? Yeah. So, wow. Um, I think, in looking back at that, um, I didn't recognize it at the time. You know, mm-hmm. I it, it was just always this promotion, this incredible job, this great special project was out there. Um, sometimes, but not, but mostly not, it was brought to my attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would notice that my male counterparts were getting these incredible offers, but why am I not? And so I had to really um, grasp that whole thing. Like, why weren't they those special projects and um, promotions coming to me? But I think it's because I was putting off that vibe that I'm not qualified. Mm. So I I don't know when that started. Um, I, I, I can't really place when in my career that started. Mm-hmm. But what, in thinking back on it, what I do know is that in every one of those um, organizations, I was definitely experiencing microaggressions in some way. I would sit in a room and I would say an idea to the group, you know, around the table. And five minutes later, the guy next to me would say the same idea. He steal my idea and he would get the praise for it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait, what, what, what just happened here? Did anyone not just hear me say that five minutes ago? <laughs> so that happened a lot. And, yeah. You know, we know, you know, you know, being in a room full of men and, you know, I'm the one marketing person and you're typically around a room of product managers, you know, that are all guys in a guy's world. And then if, you know, they start stealing your ideas, it's like, wow, that just happened, you know. So that happened a lot. And um, that that's definitely a place where I can speak a lot about. In fact, I've um, I've actually. uh coached or consulted a couple of firms on the importance of having diversity in their product management teams. Mm-hmm. So going back to, you know, prior to first data at um, like NCR, you know, I would literally be the only woman in the room and I'm working with product teams who are all guys and I'm telling them, you're not going to sell this product because you're not representing mainstream America, Main Street America here. You need some diversity in this room. You need to be hearing the voice of the customer. And they would just look at me like I was a, you know, <laughs> witch or something. You know, like, what? what do you mean we need diversity? You know, so I was advocating for that way before diversity, equity, and inclusion conversations were even being had. Mm-hmm. You know, but um, I, 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 it's just, it's a current of, um, I think, being suppressed, you know, unconscious. Mm-hmm bias taking place. 
for years. And I think that just did a number on me to the point where it's like, well, I'm not going to say anything in this meeting and I'm not going to go for that promotion. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not qualified enough. And just over time, I think it erodes your confidence mm. and um, you know, and, and it does it without us even knowing it. That is, that's so, gosh, that's so true. Um, it's like the silent killer of our mm-hmm. confidence. And to your point, yeah. it happens. It's those subtle things, those subtle things that start to have a, a big impact on us, on our confidence, on our career trajectories, to to our, our own, how we show up. And yeah. I think that's such an important point because oftentimes, I think um, even when we've talked about DNI even before this, is it's not just fit, you know diversity. It's about how do how do you allow people to show up and really be themselves, and how do you yes. really address the persons, the yes. people that are in the room, because the people make up the organization. And you gotta get to that depth of it and, and having those conversations. And um, you're right, and, and particularly in tech, there's so often there's it's overwhelmingly in many cases. Um, Men and so studies are always showing that hey, diversity of thought, diversity of idea, diversity of gender really it does positively impact business valuation, profitability, yes. and our world is is absolutely changing. I mean, I've read the stats that talk about what 2050 will look like, and it will be a lot, it will be a, a ton of women, yes. <laughs> and it will be my majority of women of, of color. And so, really thinking about preparing for the marketplace and what it will look like in the future. It's really important for companies to to really to to absolutely make sure that internally they have people that represent their buyers so that they can actually develop products that are important and needed and valued by them. So um, I, I totally agree. It's a business imperative, right? It's got to happen. Yeah. And the sooner these organizations understand that the better they're going to, the better off they're going to be. They're going to be more competitive. They're going to be all of those more, right? But it truly is, it's not, I mean, diversity is a number, right? You can can have all the diverse um, employees in the world on your, um, in your organization, but it's that inclusion and equity piece. That's where the magic happens. That's where, that's where it all comes together. And, we leave people, we don't leave organizations. Yes. So we leave managers that don't make us feel safe and don't make us feel included and, mm-hmm. and heard. That's the secret sauce. And that's what I consult with, you know, my, the, the FinTechs that I work with is that's so, so important and you gotta get it right from the beginning. Oh gosh, yes, um, touche, let's put a pin in that. <laughs> that's absolutely right. And um, there's a lot of a lot of work to be done. And I'm just I'm happy that you going back to what you said earlier, it's still ringing in my head what people said, well, you can't or you shouldn't for all these different reasons. And you still said I can and I will when you're when you're at the table. I mean, what are you finding is really for as you think about you know starting a business like how how has success you know, I'm kind of going another right here, but, you know, how have you changed your definition of success over time? You know, oh in this, you know, <laughs> space for so long, you know, how have you changed your, or, or have you? Oh, I completely changed my idea of what <laughs> success is. So, you no, know, 
Uh, wow. Like why? And then what does it look like for you today? What does success look yeah. like for you today? It goes back to those expectations, right? So, you know, success to me at the beginning of my career, you know, through the last however many years has always been dictated by society mm. and more, more close to home, my family, really. So that was always, you have to have a good job. You've got to, you know, climb the ladder, get more responsibility, more money. There's certain people in my family that think success is all about money, right? Mm. And so I let that dictate, you know, my movements, my advancements, where I did went and what I did for so long. But that is so not my idea of success anymore. To me, you have to let that go. And you have to um, really think about what your your mission is in life, what, what, what drives you, what's important to you. So it's not title, it's not money. For me, it now is all about doing good work, work that helps others, that really makes a difference in others' lives. And that's my guiding compass now. Sure, it'd be nice to have money, but I always, and I tell my son this, who's 16 and kind of just, you know, especially in this past year, a little bit lost um, with school and all that. And I tell him that you need to have, you need to love what you do. You need to do good work, work that really fills your soul, you know, with, with, with goodness and um, you know, that, and the, and the money will come if it, you know, if it will, it will. <laughs> so that's what I tell him. And he just looks at me like, I don't know what she's talking about, but, <laughs> but I can at least take my own advice on that. So to me, success is completely different than what it used to be. Yeah. And I just wanted to say too, that for every no I've gotten in the last year, I truly think it's gotten me closer to that. Yes. Wow. So it, it takes a lot of no's to get to where you're going to be. And then you have your yeses coming. So that's, that's how I kind of look at it. It's okay. You, it's just another, it's a no, but it's yet one step closer to my yes and what my, my purpose is. So that's how I look at it. And that's really, um, in a way it's, it's almost, um, freeing, mm. you know, freeing not to have, those societal expectations on you, like I always thought I had to answer to. Yeah. I mean, and you know what, that's, um, we've got a comment coming in, Just, you yeah. know, absolutely trust in your gut and following your passion yeah. and loving what you do. And it's so easy to forget that to your point um, in the, in the pursuit of what people expect. And that's, gosh, it's, uh, it's, it's subconscious, right? It's, it's, yeah. you know, I talk about the book, it's in my book, it's those she influencers, right? Yeah. They all impact how we move the things we do. And it's, it's so interesting because you mentioned, um, you know, the pay will come and it's, and it's so interesting because I, I wonder sometimes it's almost like we feel like we have to, there's, you have to make a choice money or success. And it's like, they really can be together, but it just really has to depend on what our definition is. And that's why I wanted to really you to answer that question, because I do think that we can do good work that fills our soul and make money 
And it, there's not just one way, but it takes the courage to go down that path. And it's definitely a path that, that you're on and taken on courageously. Um, and, and I'm curious, you know, when you think about, you know, to your point, we talked about what you what people tell you that you should be doing and what you really want to do, you know, what would you say to any, any woman who's feeling like she, she doesn't have that courage to strike, strike out, or she doesn't have that courage. She keeps hearing the no, because what you said was, you know, you keep getting enough no's, you'll get to your yes. And that's what the show is about. Owning your yes. Yes. What would you say to a woman who's who's struggling with that no, right? Yes. (laughs) To get to that yes, what would you say to her right now? What are some things that you would want her to walk away with um, listening after listening to this? I guess, you know, uh, number one, follow your heart. Life is way too short not to know what makes you want to jump out of bed every day. Mm -hmm. You don't want to go through life jumping out of bed for something you don't love. Mm. You know, it's too short. So Mm. I wish I had known this 30 years ago. Mm. What a difference I think that would have made. So that's my, I think my number one thing. Um, Secondly, you know, if you have some kind of nagging feeling um, that there's something better for you, something out there, something else, don't ignore that. Mm. Don't stuff it. I stuffed it for years. And, and, and I have regrets because of that. And I don't want anyone else to regret that and just continue to ignore that. If there's a sense of purpose or something better for you, explore it. You know, it it doesn't take much to explore that while you're working a full-time job, explore it at night on the weekends. I think Valeria, you're the perfect example of that, right? I think you've done an incredible job of exploring that that element and what you're doing today. Mm-hmm. And that is not impacting your work, your everyday, you know, job at all. And so kudos to you for that, because that's exactly what I would tell anyone else to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the last thing for, for me that I want to share is to always just trust your instincts, mm-hmm. trust your instincts and, and trust your higher power. Mm-hmm. If you have one, I do. Mm-hmm. And I have leaned heavily on that this past year. And so um, I think, you know, that that's really important. Trust your instincts, trust your higher power. Don't give up and you'll be okay. Mm. I've gone through seven layoffs. I'm perfectly okay. (laughs) I love that. I love that. That's, that's a great way to end. Like I've gone through this seven times. If you want it again, for the people in the back that might be listening. Yeah. Seven times. And I'm perfectly. Right. Yeah. I mean, and again, thank you for, for being so vulnerable and transparent and sharing you um, with women that that really could that really could benefit from hearing this message right now um, yeah. to be courageous. Um, thank you so much, Linda, for for sharing with us. And if people want to connect with you, the diverse agenda, where should they go? Um, they can just find me on LinkedIn or um, it's just Linda at the diverse agenda dot com. And I'd be happy to talk to anybody and share. And thank you, Valeria. This has been great. Uh, Thank you. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, We will be back here next week. And we're going to keep these conversations going because, again, it's about you. It's about us as women leading with confidence in our lives despite the challenges and saying yes to ourselves. So thank you again. We'll see you next Thursday, 12.
12 p.m. Eastern right here on LinkedIn and YouTube Live. Thanks. Bye. Thank you.